The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Trust the process. Do you respect the process? Welcome back, processors, to another great episode of Processing the Process. Today is extra special for one. Uh, Ryan is in the same room as me. What's up, Ryan? I'm in-house. I am in the podcast cave, the pod cove, whatever you guys call it. It's pretty pretty cool in here. Yeah. Little, little fire hazard E, but it's cool. <laughs> it, no, I fully trust everyone <laughs> that put the work into this. I... I like how close in it is because it uh, makes it feel intimate, not claustrophobic, as some people would put it. I put it as intimate. I've made my fire escape route, and I'm good to go. Okay. I'm all set. I'm glad you mapped that out yep. ahead of time. Oh, uh, man. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, with us today, uh, someone that I have been following along with on Twitter for a couple of years now. I love everything he brings to my favorite uh, pro football team, the Buffalo Bills, as well as this general uh, draft uh, Twitter talk, as you know, I'm addicted to. So uh, uh, normally we handle uh, news. There isn't any real big news right now. Um, seems like everyone. Oh, well, we'll probably get to it in, in the preview here. But uh, nobody's strict with, um, stricken down with any COVID. Like last week, we thought we were going to lose um, the Alabama-Georgia game. That didn't happen, thank God. Nick Saban's just a faker. Yeah, <laughs> something's going on there. Uh, he's got a, a special cure for the, the test there, the way to get around it or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but uh, I do know what's happening today. Uh, with us today, we have Bruce Nolan. Bruce, how are you? I'm fantastic, guys. How about yourself? Doing great, doing great. Ready, ready to bring back uh, Big Ten football, and that's what today is all about. So, uh, Bruce is a writer as well as a host of the Bruce Exclusive Podcast, uh, all on Buffalo Rumblings. And uh, Bruce, would you describe yourself as a self-proclaimed uh, draft junkie? <laughs> yes, the emphasis there is on the self-proclaimed. Uh, <laughs> it is a. I am a hobbyist through and through, but I do love the NFL draft. Um, To me, the NFL draft is a little bit like the marriage between two of my favorite things in the world, which is college football and then pro football. And then for one glorious weekend, they come together and they merge. It's a little bit, I'm trying to decide whether or not your audience would be more along the lines of these is the power Rangers. Like this is the Megazord, or whether or not this is like a Thundercats sort of a thing. But for whatever reason, there's emergence that happens there between the college football and the NFL for one glorious weekend. And it is, it's a little bit like Christmas. It's gotten to the point now where my wife will wake up on the day of the first day of the draft. And she will look at me and she will say, sweetheart, Merry Christmas. And I'll say Merry Christmas and we'll get up and it'll be great. And that, that kind of, that, that emergence right there really kind of almost keeps me sustained for the other, you know, 363 days a year. Yeah. If that's not relationship goals, I don't know what is. Right. 
It's definitely, I don't know if it's a, a wish between each other, uh, but my wife definitely recognizes that as my like number one favorite day out of the year for sure. And um, I was wondering um, if, if you guys have the same reaction like I do, like uh, Bruce, do you take off for work on draft day or do you, or do you go in and then just uh, come back and, you know, get ready when you get home? I take off as often as humanly possible for the last <laughs> long time I take okay. off for the draft. Okay. I love that. So I, I don't, um, but when I go in, even the people that aren't big draft people, they know right away. When I walk in that building, everyone that I've ever had a problem with, they're my best friend that day. You know, I'm giving everyone high fives, hugs, you know, we're, we're Brian is a bills fan. I'm a bills fan, obviously uh, Bruce, big bills fan as well. So I always looked at the draft as like, all right, this is the ultimate hope of hope for bills for so many years during the drought. There was the one time a year where we were either targeting, uh, um, you know, the next quarterback, or maybe we're in the line to get a pass rusher, you know, somebody to get excited about something to pump you up. And, and that's what something that draft day brings that I don't know how many other days out the year kind of bring to a football fan. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I agree with that. The, this idea that the draft, represents hope for so many fan bases and that one really good draft can change your team's futures forever. I mean, look at the Seahawks draft. Yeah. Look at that magical run that they had with Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson and, you know, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. And, you know, they had a couple good drafts and they've been living off of that couple of good drafts for almost a decade. Yeah. And so when you have those things and you know that it could all turn around in a couple days, it could all turn around in one weekend. That right there is the only thing that sports fans really need is hope. Yeah. And the thing that really gives them the most amount of discouragement is the lack of hope. And so with the draft coming into the draft, it springs eternal for everybody who has draft picks. So I guess that is to say it doesn't spring eternal for Houston Texans fans this year, (laughs) but for all the others of us who have not been sabotaged by Bill O'Brien trying to secure his job by making sure that no one else has any resources for those of the rest of us, it's a hope springs eternal kind of thing. I agree. It is uh, a one of a kind day. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it every year and, your excitement is paired up with, you know, Ryan's excitement. You know, so many people that I interact with on Twitter, it's contagious. And um, I look forward to it every year, but uh, we're not in draft season. We are um, now officially smack dab in the middle of college football season. But before we get into talking about that, um, let's just talk a little bit about who Bruce Nolan is. Uh, Bruce, uh, you live near Cleveland or in Cleveland? I can confirm I live in the general area of cleveland perfect perfect <laughs> uh and but you're a bills fan H- how did that end up happening well i was born uh, on the west side of philadelphia yes you can insert all the fresh prince of uh, <laughs> bills mafia jokes you'd like born and raised absolutely born and raised and at the time my extended family they're all eagles fans so when i was young i was taken to an eagles game by my father and there was a gentleman sitting in front of us who was wearing the opposing team's jersey and not being treated overly hospitably by the local Philadelphia fans, as they have been known to do on occasion, you know, with batteries and Santa Claus and whatnot. (laughs) So 
Philadelphia fans, not knowing as being uh, horribly hospitable people, really treated this guy really, really badly. And it was so significant that it actually kind of really messed me up a little bit. So I was very, very young at the time. And when we went home, I looked at my father. I said, this this has got to be wrong. Surely this team that I love, the Philadelphia Eagles, surely they they don't, I mean, they can't possibly have fans like this. Maybe if I was a fan of a different team, surely different teams don't have this problem, right? Because I'm young and I'm stupid, not realizing that every team has fans like that. Right. So I pondered it for a while. And in my young brain, the most logical thing I could think of was to select a different team because surely a team this happened. But I thought how best to pick up another team. So I went upstairs And I said, I'm going to count up all of my football cards and whichever team I have the most cards of, I'm going to be a fan of that team. That's what I'm going to do. So I counted up all of my football cards and I had the most Buffalo Bills cards. So I came down and I announced to my family that henceforth, I was going to be a Buffalo Bills fan. That is it. Well, that was a long time ago, a very long time ago. And I'm still a Bills fan all because the luck of the draw had it that I happened to have the most Buffalo Bills cards in that moment. And I was emotionally scarred by the way that Philadelphia fans treated the opposing team's fans. Yeah, that's definitely a one of a kind way of selecting a team. But in the same uh, you know, way of saying, though, it's, it's a logical way of doing it because you were like maybe thinking like, all right, am I a fan of a team without realizing that I'm actually a fan of this team? So what was this the, the Super Bowl era? Are you talking like the Jim Kelly boys? This was before that. Okay, before that. Okay. Uh so I'm uh growing up in Buffalo or around Buffalo, Ryan the same way. Uh Ryan is 10 years younger than I am. I mean, I could say how old I am, but uh because I don't want to feel like that I'm getting that old, but I am because I grew up during those Super Bowl era and uh I lived through that, so I and then I lived through the drought. So these these last few years have felt pretty good. Um, uh, before we get into the, we're uh, gonna do the preview real quick. But um, I just want to know that you're you've been writing for Buffalo Rumblings for how long now? Let's see. I've been with Buffalo Rumblings since May of two thousand and eighteen. Okay, so it's been. Uh, a year and five months. Okay. And it, it, did you go to school or anything for that or writing? Or is this just wait a you second? That's up? not right. No, that's not right at all. That's it was May of May of 19. I think. Yeah. It's May of 19. So a year and five months. Yes. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. Have you been doing the podcast longer than you've been writing? Yes, oh, okay, I was. Gotcha. I did the podcast before I came on board with Buffalo Rumblings. Oh, okay, um, okay. I used to do a podcast before we joined Buffalo Rumblings uh, called the Bills Backers podcast. Right. And it was right. uh, based around the Cleveland Bills Backers. And then Buffalo Rumblings reached out and we came onto their network and we came onto their network and we started writing for them in May of 2019. Okay. And then you've been a draft junkie, what, basically your whole life, would you say, since you've been a, a football fan or... I would say that the 93 draft with Bledsoe and Myrer was Uh-oh. the first draft that I really got into. Um, I was a football fan before I was a draft guy. And when the Bledsoe-Myrer draft came around and there was people kind of trying to split hairs between the two quarterbacks, I was trying to figure out how on earth you could possibly know which quarterback was going to be better. 
Right. And so that was my first attempt to try to evaluate prospects. I got it horribly wrong. I thought Rick Meyer would be just as good as Drew Bledsoe. That did not go well. But the fact that I got it so wrong was fascinating. And the following year was the who the hell is Mel Kuyper year. That was the year where Mel Kuyper got into it with the Colts general manager on national television. And I was hooked. I was like, this is fascinating. This is like the greatest reality television show of all time. And from there on in, starting in the 1994 draft, I committed myself that every single year I was going to work really hard to try to figure out what I was doing there. So that's been, you know, like a, 25 years so it's been a while so so do you wake up every uh, draft day and have a a big slice of pumpkin pie like mel kuyper (laughs) i'm not a pumpkin pie guy believe it or not i am not a pumpkin pie guy i'm not a pumpkin guy at all pumpkin spice stuff pumpkin lattes pumpkin pumpkin bread i'm just not a pumpkin guy um it's not it's not fascinating to me it doesn't really do anything for me my wife's a big pumpkin person as you would imagine that she probably is because you know that's just the way women are nowadays. Yeah. They just love their pumpkin stuff. Oh, but yeah. for me, not so much. Okay. My girlfriend is pumpkin pie year round. No Thanksgiving doesn't matter. Also goes no whipped cream on the pumpkin pie, which I think is just criminal. So that is a hot take. She goes no whipped cream. Yeah, I think it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, we all know that the real whipped cream is what everyone's waiting for anyways. And that takes a little bit of time and effort, but this is not pumpkin pie talk. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it uh, for this preview show, the big 10 preview show. Uh, I thought the best way to do this um, besides bringing in uh, the mind of Bruce Nolan was to uh, divide it up into three parts. So I gave Bruce Ohio state because you are an Ohio state fan, correct? I am. Okay. So he has, uh, Bruce has Ohio State, uh, Northwestern, uh, Iowa, and Wisconsin. I gave Ryan Penn State, Indiana, Illinois, Nebraska, and Maryland. And uh, I gave myself Michigan, Bruce, because uh, I'm a Michigan fan. And no. it, pain, it pains me to say it because where's uh, the disconnect button is it down here yeah. at the bottom is it this big red one is that the, the one big, I, I is that the one i click to hang up on you the big square red button yep right there big I, square I, red button got it i think that uh we, we can find the nice common ground in the fact that um i acknowledge that uh ohio state players are way better uh <laughs> ohio state coaches are way better and uh we are living in the uh i don't know 80s uh, 90s still that's what a lot of michigan fans are holding on to the, the, the heyday there uh, back in the day when they used to win championships before, you know, there were things like playoffs and national championships and actually earning it like Ohio state does. Uh, but so I gave myself Michigan, Michigan state, uh, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. And then uh, we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the favorite players for each of those teams that stand out to us. And then uh, overall, what we think that team will do uh, this year. Does that sound good, Bruce? Sounds good to me, man. Okay. Um, so I thought the only way we could start this off is with the clear king of the conference with Ohio State. So go ahead, Bruce. Kick it off. Okay. So when you talk about Ohio State, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is Justin Fields. There's popular talk about being a potential Heisman candidate there, being a high first-round draft pick. Obviously the transfer from Georgia. I like Justin Fields. I'm not nearly as high on him as some other people are. I do think he's a first round talent for sure, but 
I want to see this year from him. I want to see some better ball placement. I want to see him make quicker decisions. And when you have a quarterback coming from that offense, I don't think Dwayne Haskins has done Justin Fields any favors with the way that he has been able to process in the NFL, the jump from Urban Meyer slash Ryan Day legacy offense into the NFL. The next person that immediately comes to mind afterwards, it's on the same side of the ball, and it's Wyatt Davis, the guard. I do think Wyatt Davis has a chance to be a first-round guard. I'm a huge fan. I was kind of hoping that Wyatt Davis would be kind of like the pinnacle of the offensive line this year, and I think that he's going to end up being that. Chris Olave, the wide receiver, I think has a chance to be Terry McLaurin again. The smoothness of the route running, the ability to maintain speed through your breaks. Chris Olave is going to be a very, very, very popular pick coming into the draft, regardless of what his stat line looks like this year because of the traits. And that's what you see from Chris Olave. You just see a collection of good traits. And then I'm a cornerback guy. Everyone knows I'm a cornerback guy. I can't talk about this without talking about Sean Wade. Sean Wade may have been better than Jeffrey Okuda. He may have been better than Damon Arnett. There is a chance that he ends up being the best of the three of them. Now, would I like to see him continue his growth? Absolutely, I would this year. Sean Wade coming back gives him an opportunity to prove that if Damon Arnett can be a first-round pick and Jeffrey Okuda can go in the top five, then Sean Wade can be a high pick as well. And I think all he has to do is continue to do the things he's doing in order to continue to get there. I think he has the right mentality for it. I think he shows the right hips for it. I think that he's one of those next line of Ohio State cornerbacks with the Marshawn Lattimore's and the Garyon Conley's, the Damon Arnett's, the Jeffrey Okuda's. The next wave is Sean Wade. As far as expectations for this team, it's the same as expectations have been for this team. Every single year, it is they want to win a national championship. And anything less than a college football playoff spot is considered to be a failure. So I think right away you have to say, listen, 9-0 and is the goal for them this year. That's the goal, being the playoffs. And anything less than that is just considered a failure for Ohio State. Yep, that's true. They have a, a, an amazing system. It, it, it's really tough to see as a Michigan fan where – you have a, an outstanding Hall of Fame coach like Urban Meyer step away, hand it off to the next assistant, and he just picks up where you know the Hall of Fame guy left off and just carries the program on. Uh, I couldn't agree more. There's there's a few things that stand out to me as the program is that uh, the way they're producing the wide receivers, the technique these guys are coming out with is excellent. And then uh, on the other side, I, I, I have to – acknowledge that these two have to work together the cornerbacks these wide receivers and cornerbacks going up against each other in practice every day has to you know as they say what is it iron sharpens iron you know what i mean it's just that it's it's the caliber of uh, athletes they're bringing in the the dedication the commitment the expectations all of it rolled together is just pushing out some great great talent ryan yes who do you want to talk about next Okay. Well, I guess I'll just go along with the list here. Um, let's go with Penn State. How's that sound? Cool with that? Sure. They're right. they're probably what number two in the conference after Ohio State. I w- yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So the first thing I think about when I hear Penn State is Pat Fryermuth. Okay. Um, probably a top three tight end in this class behind 
maybe not even behind Brevin Jordan, definitely behind Kyle Pitts, I think, at this point. Um, over his career, 69 catches, 875 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's got the big body, 6'5", 260. So he's a legitimate first-round tight end talent. Um, so who's going to be getting him the ball? Uh, senior Sean Clifford, uh, 6'2", 218. Um, last year finished with 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's okay on the ground, five touchdowns. He's no Trace McSorley. He's not going to be trying out for a DB in the combine or anything like that. Um, the big question mark right now is their receivers. Uh, they lost Justin Shorter to Florida. KJ Hamler is a Bronco. Uh, so that leaves, uh, as their one veteran, one of their veteran receivers is Daniel George. Brian, how many catches do you think Daniel George had last season? Uh, I'm going to guess 49. Um, <laughs> so not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> um, but they will figure something out. Uh, running backs. Running backs. We're not talking about any Saquon Barkley. There's no type of talent like that. But they do have a guy named Journey Brown. He was their leading rusher last year with 890 yards, 12 touchdowns, 5'11", 215. Now they do have a backup guy, kind of a big thumper, Noah Kane. 5'10", 228. He's a sophomore. Brown is a junior. So... Um, and for the offensive line, who has be uh, opening up the holes for them, uh, there's two pretty good tackles, or actually one, Will Fries, and then center Michael Manette. So those are like all all Big Ten talent over there. Um, on defense, they finished last year 347 yards a game, 16 points per game as well. They lost nine out of ten tacklers, so definitely some holes there. And not to mention another big name, Michael Parsons opts out. 99 tackles, six and a half sacks, six force fumbles, six three two forty five. We're looking at a top ten guy. Right, that's easy. That's tough to replace. Yep. Um, so kind of a guy who's going to try and replace him is Ellis Brooks. Ellis Brooks is going to take over the inside, and they got a guy called Brandon Smith, who's probably going to play outside. And then, not to mention, they uh, they lost Yeter Grossmatos, Sharif Miller, and Robert Windsor on the defensive line. So those are definitely some big holes to fill over there. Right. Um. So a guy to kind of look at on the defensive tackle, uh, PJ Mustafer. He's a junior and Antonio Shelton, who's a senior. And then defensive ends, kind of the big name that I'm looking at right now is the senior Shaka Tony. Shaka Tony? Shaka? Shaka? Shaka Tooney? Shaka, baby. Shaka, Shaka. yep. Uh, he's kind of like their established guy. They, they know what they have in him. Finished with five sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. And then kind of the next guy the, on the other side that kind of needs to step up is Jason Owa. Um, He's kind of the guy uh, finished last season with five sacks and um, DBs here, Lamont Wade uh, and quarterback Tariq Castro Fields. Those are kind of their, their, their big guys in the back, in the back of that defense. Um, and the rest is kind of like a mystery. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what I got there for Penn state. Yeah. The, the recruiting of Penn state um, has been good and let, let's see how they fill those holes. You know, they had a good year of sending players off to the next level. So, yeah, time time to step up. I do believe in their coaching. I believe in the system. Uh, pains me to say because, yet again, it's just another rival Michigan that I think is not light years beyond us like Ohio State. But I, I just don't I – wish, I wish I had a young and exciting coach like they did. Uh, instead, I have uh, Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> I guess I'll talk about Michigan now. Uh, Michigan last year, nine and four, meh, not good. Uh, six and three in the big 10 and uh big turnover this year. Uh, send a couple of dudes 
uh, from the offensive line to the pros, send some edge rushers to the pros, uh, lose their uh, starting safety to the pros, lost one of their corners to the pros. Uh, trying to think of anyone else. No, uh, but their uh, number one wideout, Nico Collins, opts out for the season. He is not opting back in. He is not at practice this week. I double-checked, quadruple-checked, actually, because he's really good and we could use him. Uh, but he is not coming back. Uh, they also had a big-time transfer with McCaffrey leaving. Uh, so what does that mean for Michigan? Well, it means that they are switching over to Joe Milton, that quarterback. He's 6'5", 243. And I would normally read stats here, except for there's nothing to read about Joe Milton because there's nothing of relevance. Uh, he's extremely raw. He is the most uh, prototypical, um, you know, run option guy they've ever put behind the center. That they've never committed to a guy like this before, at least not since the Denard Robinson days. You know what I mean? Or even Devin Garner, I guess, if you want. Um, but that's okay because I think it's time to commit to guys like that. I think it's time to embrace the offense. They tried it last year. Um, and it, it wasn't working with who they had. So, yeah, I think it's time to switch over to Joe Milton. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, the, the wide receivers are a little weak, not upper echelon like they had just a few years ago. It seemed like they were really stepping up with the wideouts. Uh, but you had um, Tariq Black transfer over to Texas, and like I said, Collins is gone. Um, so they're going to be handing the ball off to uh, a pretty reliable sophomore here, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, Zach had a really good year last year, and um, I've I, I never seen a freshman running back for Michigan um, get the trust that he had last year. They they relied on him a lot, and he really pulled through for them, so he's going to be stepping in there. Now, as far as, like, draft-eligible guys, guys that are going to be going on to the pros, uh, you got to start with Aiden Hutchinson. 6'6", 269 junior, uh, 39 solo tackles, 41 assists. He had six pass breakups and four and a half sacks in 2019 alone with two forced fumbles. He is uh, a nice blend of athletic DN and a uh, power rusher. So maybe um, Bills fans, you know, might recognize his play with some guys in the past. He's, I'm not going to automatically say that he's, Aaron Schobel, but he reminds me a lot of a style of an Aaron Schobel. Um, he's sneaky athletic. So very excited to watch Aiden Hutchinson. On the other side, you have a way more twitched up athlete in Quiddy Pay at 6'4", 272. He's a senior, uh, 47 solo tackles. He's got uh, 36 assist tackles. Uh, he had one pass breakup, nine and a half, six uh, in his career, six and a half last year in 2019. So their edge rushers will lead this team. They're probably the most exciting um, part of this team going forward. Uh, the only other guy um, on defense worth noting right now, because the corners are, are all new. Uh, the safeties are all new. Uh, all these guys are getting their first real starts. You know, they've obviously subbed in here and there, but uh, Cameron McGrone uh, started all last year at linebacker for them. Uh, six foot one, 236, a junior. Uh, he had 38 solo tackles, 28 uh, assisted tackles, one pass breakup, four sacks, which is pretty good um, coming from the linebacker spot, and uh, one forced fumble. And then on the offensive line, uh, Jalen Mayfield is the only uh, returning starter from the offensive line. He's a junior, uh, 6'5", 320. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of people reject him for the first round, uh, which is exciting to see. Um, he's, he's very balanced. Um, does a good job of both run and pass game. I don't think he overly excels at either one. He's just very well balanced. Um, good at sinking the hips. Um, you know, good at, at uh, doing the combo blocks, good communication out there. And then uh, at wideout, a guy that's underrated, and I wish he was a number two, but he'll probably end up being the number one for Michigan, unfortunately, is Ronnie Bell. Uh, six foot, 190 junior, uh, 56 catches last year, uh, 903 yards and three touchdowns. So not anyone that you're scared of, unfortunately, for Michigan. And I think this year, you know, what they did, they went nine and four, six and three in the Big Ten. They're only going to play eight games this year. At least two losses. Six and two is the ceiling. That's what I think. Six and two is the ceiling. So rough. Uh, Bruce, who, who, who do you want to talk about next? Let's do Northwestern. Okay. So Pat Fitzgerald. last season. Yes. I like Pat Fitzgerald. Um, As do I. Last season, three and nine, not great, Bob. One and eight <laughs> in the Big Ten. And, you know, I think that really this is a team that needed stabilization at the quarterback position, and they got it through graduate transfer Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. And, I mean, this is a guy with 23 starts under his belt. So if you need someone to stabilize your team and give them reasonably competent Big Ten play to get out of that hole, that's how you do it. Now, is it ideal to have the linebackers be the strength of this team? Probably not in Big Ten play, but Patty Fisher is a player. He's a real player. And Northwestern's defense will come and go with Patty Fisher. I really think that this year, the goal for Northwestern should just be get back to a winning record. You know, win four or five games, get in that 500 to better sort of, sort of area for them and hope that Peyton Ramsey is able to stabilize your team. And that's really, I think, the goal for Northwestern this year. I think it's, it's not going to come all at once for them. It, they're not going to go from being the bottom of the Big Ten to being uh, you know, a competitor in their division. That's not going to happen. But if we can stabilize things for them, and if they can start to get up off the mat, I think that's where they should probably be looking at this year. Yeah, they, um, under uh, Fitzgerald, they, they've been very competitive. Um, it, it's fun to see because you just every week you need to be prepared. For uh, Northwestern, they're they're well coached, uh, well disciplined. They normally are pretty good on the in the trenches too. That's the one thing I like like to see is uh, as long as you're competitive in the trenches, you know, and you're not getting blown off the ball, you, you're gonna give yourself a chance. And um, yeah, probably not, you know, back to where they were, like you said, Bruce. But uh, it's a work in progress, and uh, they got a good coach there. It's a it's a good system so far. So yeah, best foot forward. Best foot forward is right. Okay. Um, so, Bri, you know this. I'm not really a Big Ten guy. I'm more, I'm Bruce, if you know, I'm a Miami fan. I'm not really, I'm more of an ACC guy. So, yeah, he's a big Bobcat fan. That's cool. Yeah, okay, That's cool. Okay, okay. We love all types of people. Here. Yes. Yes. Oh, no, Canes, Hurricanes. Yeah, my yeah, bad. Canes, my yes, bad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the U. Sorry. So, if you would have asked me last year who was the second best passing attack in the Big Ten, I probably would not have said Indiana. Um, so, Indiana, they do have eight returning starters. Oh, sorry, 2019, they finished eight and five, five and four in conference. So, eight returning starters on offense. Um, 
Now, the projected starter right now is Michael Penix. Michael Penix, 6'3", 202. He's a little light. I don't like that. He's a little, he's a little light. Um, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, he did miss some games with a shoulder injury, so that's something to keep note. And as I was uh, doing some research for this preview, the guy who um, I took some notes from, he called this wide receiver duo the law firm. And I'm always a fan of that, of like, like little nicknames like that. Yeah. So two senior receivers, Wop Fillier. Uh, he's 5'11", 180 pounds, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. And the other guy, Ty Freifogel. So Fillier and Freifogel, law firm. I kind of like that. 6'2", 214. Get behind that. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, 45 catches, 600 yards, three touchdowns. So those are kind of the big names. I'm kind of uh, stuck on that first wide receiver's first name. What, what was it? W-H-O-P. Wop. Whoop. Wop. Wop. I like it. Not to be confused with the new song. Wop. Wop. Okay. Um, tight end. Peyton Hendershot. A little underutilized guy. Um, probably going to get more looks this year. Uh, he's 6'4", 250. Finished last year with 52 catches, 622 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, kind of, you know, not the big-time tight ends that we're used to talking about, Brian. You know, the alien, Kyle Pitts. Definitely not that. Uh, Stevie Scott Jr. is the running back here. Six foot two, 230. This guy's big. Big dude. 178 for 845 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, so that's kind of going to be your leading rusher. Also, Penix finished third on the team in rushing, if I do believe. So he's kind of a sneaky rusher as well. Um, they do have some good continuity in the offensive line with tackles Matthew Bedford and Caleb Jones. They also have a returning uh, guard slash center, Harry, Harry Kreider. So continuity in the offensive line is always something we like to look for for these teams, Bryce. So that's a good thing. Yep. Um, okay, so let's switch over to the defense. Not great. Not great, Bob. Yeah, not great. <laughs> 352 <laughs> yards per game, 32 points allowed per game. Uh, not that great. So they do have a couple of bright spots at the safety positions. Um, Marsh, Marcelino Ball, kind of a hybrid guy, kind of those uh, linebacker slash safety guys that we kind of like to talk about. Six foot, 220, you know, your Deion Jones kind of guy. I'm not going to call him Deion Jones, but those big hybrid linebacker safety guy. Okay. And then they also have a guy, Devin Matthews, 6'2", 202. He's kind of like their big hitter. Now they got some big dudes back there. So definitely some hitting power. Um, and they also are returning three linebackers, including leading tackler Michael McFadden. With uh, He had 61 tackles, and then also a junior and sophomore, Cam Jones and James Miller, respectively. Now, their defensive line, they struggled to get pressure last year. Struggled big time. Um, most are returning. They have Jerome Johnson, who led the defensive line with five sacks, and then junior Demarcus Elliott. And then on the ends, they have James Heed and Micah Zimba. So... Definitely going to be relying on the on the law firm there. Definitely not going to be relying on their defense much. Um, but, yeah, definitely keep an eye on the big safety Marcelino ball. Uh, I lose track of how many years it's it's been that Indiana just gets into shootouts with teams. They're incredibly fun to watch in that aspect. If you just like watching crazy shootouts and just overtime games, you know, in, Indiana brings that every year. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Their, their spread system – is one of the most um, ever growing. Like, I, it's just every year they roll in new players and they all seem to like adapt well and they buy in and it doesn't matter. It's just another name after another name. Now they don't really 
go to the next level and contribute in the NFL. But if you're just a college football fan, guys, just tune into an Indiana Hoosiers game and you're going to see some fun offense and zero defense. They, you know what they belong in? They're in the wrong conference. They should be in the big 12. <laughs> uh, all right. Who do I want to get out of the way? Oh, let's just get this team out of the way because I don't know what to make of Michigan state. Michigan State obviously is moving on to a new coach. Uh, D'Antonio stepping away. Uh, Mel Tucker is uh, going to be appearing in his first year. Last year, the Spartans went uh, seven and six, uh, four and five in conference. How the mighty have fallen! I no one could really have seen this coming, other than it was just like a slow march towards the end it seemed every year they just got a little bit worse and a little bit worse and uh, they lost the recruiting trail to other teams like even illinois has been um beating them in the recruiting trail which is is not great to see so um yeah we'll see what uh, mel Turker can do this year i'm not expecting a lot i'll just get this out of the way i unfortunately have them going like five and three this year that's like best case scenario i i think it's gonna be rough for them uh, even as a Michigan fan, I don't really hate them. Um, I, I root for Michigan State every other week, except for when they're playing Michigan. So let's talk about who they have uh, on defense because that's where they're going to be leading this team, unfortunately. Uh, they got Antoine Simmons, uh, defensive end, who's six foot 225. He's a senior. Uh, he had 74 solo tackles in his career, 81 assists in his career. Uh, two pass breakups, three and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and two interceptions. Um, not very long, not very athletic, but very balanced. And um, a guy that just uh, is good at containing the edge, very responsible, and you need those kind of guys, uh, especially with the prevalence of the spread offense coming into the Big Ten. Uh, you got Dean Jacob uh, Pansiak. Panasiak, Panasiak is probably how you pronounce it. He's 6'4", 250. He's also a senior. Uh, 37 solo tackles, 41 assists, uh, two pass breakups, eight sacks, and four forced fumbles. Uh, uh, Jacob, spelled of a U. That's my most unique thing about him right now. Off my board. <laughs> you can't spell Jacob with a U? Nope, off my board. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's good to have uh, two seniors there at your defensive end. Uh, you know, the most important, one of the most important spots on your defense. So they're going to be relying on them to, uh, like I said, contain the edge, um, stay responsible, um, help push the pocket and, uh, you know, try, try and create some turnovers that would help them on offense. Cause they don't have a lot going on on the offensive side of the ball uh, at the back end of the defense. They do have uh, Xavier Henderson, uh, a six one um, safety, uh, 210 pounds. He's a junior. He has 65 solo tackles, uh, 33 assists, uh, six pass breakups, and two interceptions for his career. Uh, very responsible safety. Um, what I read about him is that uh, he's 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 not um, the sideline to sideline player, and he's not the box guy. He's a nice in between guy, and that's something that in projecting to the pros is somebody that you, you, I think you need to have probably end up being a rotational player, a sub player for an NFL team, maybe a practice squad guy, you know, to hoping to hone some of his technique down. Um, offensive line is uh, the only thing that stood out to me. Uh, Luke Campbell and uh, Matt Allen are uh, both returning this year. 
Um, Luke Campbell, 6'5", 285, senior, and uh, Matt Allen, 6'3", 300-pound senior. There's not a lot going on exciting on the offense. I don't know the offense that Mel Tucker is bringing in. I really don't know a lot about them. I'm excited to watch them. Um, so it's always fun to watch the first year under a new head coach in college football because it, I, I'm glad I'm not playing them because it seems like those that first game sometimes for that first-year coach, the whole program's excited. You know, it kind of stinks that they're not going to have any fans in the stands because uh, Michigan's um, right now under like a, a lockdown um, kind of scenario. They're like heavily quarantined right now. So uh, tough break for the Spartans and um, the Wolverines in that aspect. But um, let's see what they can build here. Maybe maybe Mel Tucker can, you know, get this program moving in the right direction. Uh, Bruce, who, who we got up next? We got a team that represents almost the complete exact opposite of what you just talked about, where Michigan State is going to ride the energy that comes along with a new coach. Iowa has uh, Kirk Ferentz in his 22nd year. Last year, they were 10 and 3, 6 and 3 in the Big Ten. And the thing for Iowa this year is can the offense take a step forward now that Nate Stanley's not there? Now that you have Spencer Petras as your starting quarterback and you have the bigger army and you have the bigger guy, I mean, 6'5, 230, can you stretch the field now? Can Iowa finally have an offense? It feels like Iowa has been surviving on grittiness and defense for 20 years yeah and they just want to get some offense now they're going to start with an experienced wide receiver core emir smith marset tyrone tracy brandon smith nico regani they've got some experience around the new quarterback spencer petrus but for them i really think the key piece on their offense is going to be alaric jackson you know as a player who you know tristan wirf's got the pub that he got last year because Alaric Jackson went down with an injury. And when you miss a couple games, in his case, three, and you have your shine kind of taken away from you, you come in this year going, okay, I'm going to get my shine back because Alaric Jackson has first round potential. He needs to prove this year. He can be a starting tackle in the league because although he has the height, there's some questions about his length. There's some questions about his ability to mirror in pass protection. Is he going to be a guard or is he going to be a tackle? And we know that you can get drafted in the first round without those questions being completely answered. That happens all the time. As long as one team believes you can be a tackle, they'll take you. But if he's able to flat out show against some of the better big 10 pass rushers that he can make waves as a tackle, then he doesn't have to worry about you know, trying to find the right fit at guard. And, you know, no, I'm a starting left tackle in this league. I was on my way to being something significant before this injury, and now I'm back. They're very excited about him in the Iowa program. He became a vegan this offseason, changed up his body type. They really think they've got something there. Really, really, really think they've got something there. Now, I mentioned that they have a really great defense. I mean, it was the 12th best defense in the nation last year. 14 points a game, 308 yards. It was, they gave up 24 points, zero times. At no point in 2019 were there more than 24 points scored on Iowa, no matter who they played. And that's good. I mean, Chauncey Golston is going to be right there on the end as a pass rusher. And of course, AJ Epinesa left for our Buffalo Bills. But, you know, they've got the starting tackles coming back which is good on the, in the inside, Cedric Lattimore, Brandy, uh, Brady Reif, 
They've got players up front. I don't see a reason why they couldn't at least get in that neighborhood again. Obviously, losing a player of AJ Epinesa's caliber matters, but they've got some people to fill the backside of them. So the big thing for them is Geno Stone. You know, losing Geno Stone at safety was a big deal for them. He didn't get drafted as high, obviously, as AJ Epinesa, but he was a very good college safety. He didn't translate as well to the next level as some other players, but he was a very, very good college safety. And Iowa lost some things on the back end, the biggest, of course, being Geno Stone. Now, Jack Kerner's coming back, so that helps. But this is one of those things where we know what we're going to get. I would be shocked if the Iowa defense was bad this year. Just shocked. The question is, can the offense take a step forward? Is getting rid of Nate Stanley, is getting a bigger quarterback with a bigger arm, is that going to stretch the field vertically? Can Iowa finally enter into the 21st century and have a 21st century offense with the new quarterback? That's the key for them. For them, I think, you know, this is, you know, this is the time to make waves in your division. You know, you were 10 and three last year with a kind of less than stellar offense. If you can take a step forward, you can make noise in that section of the big 10. I think that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, as you were talking there and, and you know, obviously you brought up the bills uh, with Ebenezer joining the bills, but you, you started making me think of the bills is like, all right, bills played good defense for years and years and years, but they didn't have a 21st century offense. Now they do. And the defense took a little bit of a step back and wouldn't it not be that bad if Iowa did the same thing. So many teams win multiple games and, and do well in their conferences by just playing offense. Heck, like I just said about, uh, we said about Indiana that you, they play nothing but offense and they can stay pretty competitive most years, obviously not winning the big 10, but uh, that's because we have one King of the conference right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Bruce. It's, it's time for uh, Iowa to step up and, and join the rest of us in, in wanting fun, exciting offense that just, you know, gets the ball to playmakers. Offense is pretty fun. Yeah. Are you about to talk about more offense or more defense, right? No, not really. Um, oh, boy. Okay. Are you, are you getting <laughs> Illinois out of the way? Uh, yeah, we're going to go to right. uh, we go. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go to Illinois, as oh. I like to call it. Sorry, Lovey. Yeah, they finished <laughs> six and seven last year under Lovey Smith. Um, They had their first bowl game in six years. I know. The Red Box Bowl. Way to go, Lovey. Uh, they lost to Cal 35 to 20 in case anyone was wondering. Um, okay. So Illinois, they lost, uh, nine players, um, whether it was to the draft, to personal reasons, to opt-outs, opt-outs include, uh, their starting running back, uh, Ravon Bonner. So he is out, which, uh, gives, um, plenty of carries to the true freshman Reggie Love. Um, okay. So yeah, they lost all those guys. So who's left? They do have their senior quarterback, Brandon Peters. Um, will be the starter. 6'5", 220, finished last year, 884 yards, 18 touchdowns, eight interceptions with the 55% completion percentage. Now, <clears throat> Illinois absolutely abused the, the, the uh, transfer portal this year. So three wide receivers, Brian Hightower from our Miami Hurricanes, Bry, um, Kamari, Kamari Thompson from Missouri, and then how about this name? Desmond Dan from New Mexico State. That's going to be my, my favorite player. So don't ask when this when this little preview is over. Desmond Dan is going to be my favorite player just based on name value alone. And then tight end Daniel Emator Behi. Bruce, do you know that name at all by chance? They're 
his brother is wide receiver there as well. Okay. Yeah. So Daniel, I will say that. I think you crushed it. Thank you. Daniel um, is a tight end from USC and he joins his brother who is a senior receiver for the Alini. Uh, his brother, Josh is 6'2", 220, 33 catches, 634 yards, nine touchdowns. They do also have um, a transfer from last year from Georgia, Luke Ford. Um, I'm looking forward to see him play. He's eligible to play now. He wasn't eligible last year. I guess it was too late, so some sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of what you're looking looking at on the offense. Uh, very lackluster, if you ask me. Um, now they also have a lot of defensive transfers. Bry, um, Roderick Perry. Uh, he was an FCS All American at South Carolina State, so he joins Illinois. Uh, and Anthony Shipton ca- came from some JUCO college. Didn't bother to look that up. Um, probably saw him on last chance you or something like that who knows and then safety uh Derek Smith out of Miami now the exciting thing for them on defense they are returning their um four-star corner from 2019 Marquez Beeson he did miss all of last uh season with an ACL injury that he got at preseason camp so uh that's something to keep an eye on and then oh I, I didn't mention the offensive line they're bringing back four starters um and they all have a combined 124 starts for Illinois crucial yes yes continuity is huge so I'm going to keep that one short and sweet that is your Illinois preview from me all right um do you think they'll be better than last year or um let's see here um no (laughs) (laughs) so you thought about that long Mm -hmm. all right um I'm not going to make it much better here uh let's talk about Rutgers uh, get, get get your pute bags ready, people. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano returns to Rutgers uh, to coach for his second uh, round of his uh, tenure. After you know spending some time in the NFL, going back and being an assistant, and um, yeah, so Rutgers brings him back. Last year, Rutgers was two and ten, zero and nine in the Big Ten. Uh, not a lot of fun things to talk about, other than this. I saw something very interesting, and I will give Shiano some credit here. Uh, they capitalized on the weird year that's going on right now with COVID and everything like that. They have a remarkable list of transfers, so I'm just going to read these off real quick. Quarterback from Baylor, Peyton Powell, joins the team. Nebraska quarterback Noah Vedral joins the team. Wisconsin wide receiver, Aaron Cruikshank joins the team. West Virginia tight end Giovanni Haskins joins the team. William William Mary, offensive line Marcus Morris joins the team. Ohio State slash USCF defensive tackle Malik Barrow. Do you recognize that name, Bruce? I do not. Okay. Uh, Here's a name that I recognize from Michigan. Michigan defensive tackle Mike Dwomfer. Michael Dwomfer. He was a rotational guy. Uh, Boston College defensive tackle Ireland Burke. Um, Michigan defensive end Aaron Lewis, uh, Minnesota defensive end Mayan Anahatu, and Ohio State safety Brendan White. So while everyone else was desperately trying to convince their guys that we're having, you know, good safety protocols and we're going to have a nice safe uh, year here going into the Big Ten season, uh, apparently Shiano was just waiting in the wings, just saying, hey, come here, guys. And he cleaned up credit to him. Uh, I hope all those guys get the chances they were looking for because Rutgers could use them. 
Rutgers has been depleted for many years. <laughs> it's tough to see so many players leave New Jersey and go play for so many other great schools. Uh, Michigan has tapped into that pipeline. I know Ohio State has typed into that pipeline. I know that the, even the SEC has typed into that pipeline. Like nobody stays in state and plays for Rutgers, and it's rough to see. Um, they do have a few uh, bright spots. Uh, two players stand out to me. Uh, running back, uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, he's a 5'11", 210 junior. Uh, last year, he rushed the ball 280 times for uh, 1,280 yards uh, and 10 touchdowns. They don't have a great offensive line, but he made it work. You know, that's an average of 4.6. So it's not uh, mind-blowing or anything like that as far as college football goes because normally you have higher averages than that if you're excelling in college football, but it, it's it's respectable. And then uh, this guy, um, I actually knew his name coming in and uh, kind of forgot about him. I thought he may have entered the draft or something, but linebacker uh, Tyshawn Fogg. Uh, 6'1", 232, great size for a middle linebacker. He's a senior. He's played in 28 games so far in his uh, collegiate career. Uh, 61 solo tackles, 96 assists, eight tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, and an interception. He's more or less your um, prototypical thumper in the middle of the defense. So uh, the only other notes I have for Rutgers is uh, the transfer of Noah Vedral as well as returning starter uh, R. Sotowski are battling it out for quarterback. And as of today, nobody knows who's starting. So good luck to either one of those guys. I, I don't know if it really makes much of a difference. None of those guys really have any stats that jump out to you. Um, Vedral transferred from Nebraska. He originally was recruited by UCF. Uh, they're way different on the uh, size uh, spectrum. Uh, Vedro is a uh, 6'1", 195, while Satowski is 6'5", 224. So whoever wins, I would imagine that you have two totally different uh, style offenses. So uh, good luck to Rutgers. Good luck to uh, Greg Schiano. You have your work cut out for you. Bruce, you have someone fun to talk about right now? Because uh, me and Ryan are feeling kind of down in the dumps after talking about those two. Well, I have someone fun to talk about who was fun in 19, and that is the Wisconsin Badgers. And they were fun in 19 largely because they had Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor's not there anymore. I have a note here that connects Iowa and Wisconsin, and the note simply says, ships passing in the night. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So with the idea that Iowa should step forward this year, and hopefully we'll be able to take the next step, Wisconsin's trying to avoid taking a step back. Jack Cohn was able to kind of keep the Wisconsin offense at the quarterback position on track. You know, he's a 70% passer and Wisconsin quarterbacks have always been game managers. That's the job, right? Make sure you keep things on schedule for the offensive line and for the running game. Well, now you don't have Jonathan Taylor anymore. Now it could be Nakia Watson at running back. It could be Garrett Groshek at running back. It could be Jalen Berger at running back. We know at some point someone will emerge as the next great Wisconsin running back, because that's what always happens. My money is on Berger, just for the record. I think that there's a reason he's a prospect the way he is. But until that happens, you've got an uncertain backfield with a quarterback position that now because Cone has this foot injury, now you've got Graham Mertz, who's a redshirt freshman coming in to try and kind of steer the ship. 
So you're, you got a lot of uncertainty there. You went from having a really certain thing at running back and a really certain thing at quarterback to having uncertainty at both positions. So for Wisconsin, it's don't take a step backwards because they were 10 and three, just like Iowa. But it seems there's a possibility that maybe Iowa has optimism to take a step forward in that conference. And Wisconsin might be fearful of taking a step backwards in that conference. If they can't figure out the quarterback position and make sure that the running game keeps doing what the running game does. If the Wisconsin running game somehow doesn't show up the way that it has been. And then because you have a brand new quarterback, who's not going to be able to keep things on pace for your offense, that could go off the wheels. Now the, Wisconsin system and the Wisconsin mystique is always going to be built around the offensive line and the running game. And I don't anticipate that's going to be any different this year, but you have to be able to fill those holes. And those are big holes. Now on the defensive side of the ball, obviously they lost Zach Bond. They lost Chris Orr, but historically Wisconsin, just like the running back position always recruits good linebackers. They just plug and play move on. It's been that way for generations at this point. Now, Wisconsin should come into this year with the same goal. They always have another big 10 championship appearance. They've showed up to the big 10 championship more often than anybody because partially the big 10 West is not quite the same as the big 10 East. Obviously that's part of this, but they can't afford to take a step back now because there's a chance Iowa could step forward. They have been led by their run team uh, run game. I should say. Is there any chance they they could start slinging it around a little more? Is there anyone at wideout worth mentioning? If Paul Chris is still the coach, I don't see it. You're right. You're I, I really Paul. don't. That's just those. It's that's not who Paul Chris is. No, now there's a good. I mean, if you look at the the, the offensive line, Cole Van Lannon is the left tackle, right? He's the guy to keep an eye on from that team. But as far as skill position players, the first thing you think of is the tight end Jake Ferguson. You don't think of any wide receivers with them. Quintez Cifas left for the NFL and he was a good player. And when you look around, I mean, Kendrick Pryor, maybe, I mean, he's probably the best you've got, but it really is a running game. Maybe Jake Ferguson, a tight end. I mean, that's really what this is. When you look around, you don't think to yourself, gosh, you know, Brand new quarterback, but hey, he's got weapons. And that's the way you feel about Iowa. So I keep trying to mirror the two because although they were both 10 and three last year, there's a chance we could see a changing of the guard here unless Wisconsin figures it out fast. Right. And, and their defense is normally pretty reliable, especially um, in the linebackers. I, I normally tend to find myself enjoying watching the linebackers. Always. Yeah. Okay. All right, right. You 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 got to step up here. Who, who you got? Uh, Maryland. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Maryland. No, 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 no. You know what? Uh, what? Bruce, were you watching? Uh, I'm 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 assuming you are. You were watching the Maryland Ohio State game last year. I was. Oh my goodness! What a game! That was a nail what biter. a game! What a nail biter! As a Michigan fan, I'm <laughs> over here just like, come on, come on, and nope, nope. It fell short. Yeah, I'm just going to click this red button down here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bruce is done for the day. Uh, thanks, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, if he makes you feel better, I didn't tune in, but uh, go Buckeyes. Um, okay, Ooh. so Maryland. Uh, <laughs> last year finished uh, three and nine, one and eight in conference. Could have been two and seven, but they butchered that one. Um, 
so they do have two new offensive coordinators, uh, Joker Phillips, and Scotty Montgomery. Hopefully, bringing them in, in to change the culture of this offense, man, because they couldn't beat Ohio State. So you got to get rid of that last guy. Um, yeah, they had 12 points per game over their last nine. Not good. Not, as we say, not great, Bob. <laughs> um, so quarterback, kind of a little bit of a question mark here. It's looking like it's going to be Josh Jackson. Um, according to College Football News, Talut, how do you say his last or his name to his brother's name? Talia, Tawalia. Your guess is as good as mine. T. Tungavailoa. It, it took like nine months for me to learn how to say Tua Tungavailoa. So. Yeah. Well, that guy, uh, his brother, uh, it says he hasn't been cleared to play by the NCAA yet. So it's looking like uh, Josh Jackson. Do, wait, when did he transfer? Do you know? Um, I don't know. Okay. I would. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. don't know. That's weird that he hasn't been cleared because almost everybody that transferred got cleared pretty quick. Right. Like McCaffrey got cleared pretty quick. So anyways. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, Josh Jackson's looking like they're going to be the guy. Um, so he is a little shaky. Uh, he had 98 completions with 207 attempts for 1,274 yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's 6'2", 218. Um, I'm not looking – I'm not very confident in him. Uh, not great. So they did lose four receivers to the transfer portal. But they did get one back from the transfer. Uh, Dewan Ellis out of Virginia Tech, uh, 5'11", 171, um, looking like kind of a slot guy there. And then they do have some big body guys. Um, Dante Demas, who is 6'3", two, uh, 200 pounds. And then Brian Cobbs, who is 6'2", 202. And then they also have a big body tight end in Chigosium Okonkwu. Some crazy names in the Big Ten. Right? Yeah, That's the first thing I've noticed. Non-football related, crazy names. Yeah. Crazy names. Uh, he is 6'2", 244. They do have a pretty exciting five-star recruit, um, Rakeem Jarrett, uh, six, six foot 193. So he's kind of a fun guy to keep an eye on. Um, as we know, they did lose Anthony McFarlane and Javon Leak to that dreaded NFL draft. So uh, it's looking like senior Tayon Fleet Davis is going to be the starter. He finished last year with 265 yards and two touchdowns. So um, definitely a big uptick in carries for him. They do return two sophomore tackles in Jalen Duncan and Marcus Miner. They also have a center returning, Johnny Jordan. And from what I read, regardless of the continuity, their line is not that great. No, so not look, great. look for the shaky offensive line in Maryland. Now, defense was pretty poor last year, but the bright spot of it is they're, they're all just young. They were young guys. Nine of the 13 guys who, st- who started at some point were all underclassmen. So um, they're, they're, they're still young, um, but on the defensive line, there was l- little to no production. Uh, the, the big name there is senior defensive tackle Sam Oki. Oki, you now knew. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, he was the only returner with more than four tackles for loss. So um, defensive line, not strong. Uh, but their bright spot, their bright spot is the linebackers. They are returning uh, two guys, uh, Ayinde Eli. He was their lead tackler with 80 tackles. And then junior Chance Campbell will be their guy in the middle. Um, who am I looking forward to on Maryland? Nobody really. Um, maybe that five-star receiver. Yeah. 
he he could be fun. I'd like to see who snags a job from Anthony McFarland. Yes, the the home run in a bottle, as I dubbed him. Yeah, yep. Anthony McFarland. <laughs> um, definitely a lot of uh, carries um, gone between him and Javon Leak. So, yeah. Yeah, me, uh, Bruce, Ryan and I are pretty big fantasy football fans, and that was one of our, um, if, you, if you're a dynasty guy, uh, kind of a mid-round, the late round, kind of depending on your format, um, if you did like a rookie draft, like if you can get Anthony McFarlane and if James Conner can prove that a, he can't stay healthy, which I'm not rooting for. And B, he continues to be just average as a running back, which he's actually having a pretty good year. So far. They are, I mean, and just running yeah. backs in Pittsburgh in general. Did you like, did you like good. Anthony McFarlane? I did like Anthony McFarland in, in the uh, in the interest of the dynasty drafting, which I am in a dynasty league. There you go. Um, my big concern is that Pittsburgh really likes Benny Snell. Now, I don't know why they like Benny Snell. I would I make agree. an argument that Anthony, McF- I, Anthony McFarlane is a much more explosive player. Um, I, I know that there are some couch cushions that are more explosive players. But, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, Benny Snell is a plotter to the highest degree. However, yeah. for whatever reason, the Pittsburgh Steelers really like him. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, Anthony McFarlane, you're, you're actually you're banking on a lot of things to go right there. You, got, you know, Connor has to leave in free agency and – you know, this upcoming year. And then Benny Snell has to, you know, try and fail. And because the Pittsburgh Steelers have always been kind of a bell cow team, that's the way that they work. And so yep. if you swing and you hit, that's great. But if not, you are sitting on your bench, eating away your spots. So I'm pro Anthony McFarland. I was excited when he got drafted, but I, their love for Benny Snell is just going to be a thing. And, and maybe Benny Snell ends up being one of those players like Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers have had experience in the past of having larger running backs come in and drop weight. That's what Benny, that's what Benny Snell did. That's what Le'Veon Bell did before him. That's what James Conner did. These larger running backs, they come into the Pittsburgh program, they drop weight and they end up being more explosive, but they keep the mentality that they had when they were larger. So those two things combined make me a little bit sketchy on drafting Anthony McFarlane in in dynasty, but I keep my eye on him. Right. I, I have been encouraged in the few times that he's gotten on the field. He actually has generated some pretty decent plays. Um, I wouldn't say big plays because big plays in fantasy football, you're obviously talking about, you know, your 40 plus plays, but I have seen him break off like 16 yard runs. So just give him a chance. Steelers. Come on. He's a home run in a bottle. He's explosive. He's very yeah. fun. He, he possesses something that those other running backs don't. And that's like that, that, that breakaway speed and yeah. just finishing on those runs in the second level, just pure, game just pure speed. Yeah. yeah. And an athlete kind of like the guy that is on this team. Oh, here we go. Nice transition. Yeah, here we go. Uh, first off, I have to say, um, I hope Jeff Brom's all right. Cause I guess he's got COVID. So co- uh, coach of uh, Purdue, they went four and eight last year, three and six in conference. Um, I guess he's not going to be able to coach this weekend. So that's, that's tough. Uh, but obviously first things first, uh, just hope he's healthy. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to save the guy I want to talk about to the end. Let's just uh, get the other guys out of the way. Uh, Dion Derek Barnes is the standout on uh, defense uh, for the Purdue Boilermakers. Boiler up. He's a senior six, one, two forty five. Uh, he had 119 tackles so far in his career, 53 assisted tackles, two pass breakups, 10 and a half sacks, seven and a half of those came in 2019. So he's an ascending player as far as uh, his sacks uh, go. Uh, two forced fumbles, 
Uh, that size uh, is a little weird. The, the seeing the six one with two forty five. Now it's tough to trust those until we get to the combine and get real locked in weights. But that's a little heavy for only being six one, in my opinion. He he could stand its uh, shed a little bit. Um, and then uh, linebacker Jalen Alexander is uh, also six one. He's only two thirty. So I like seeing that a lot more. Uh, he's a junior. He had four 45 solo tackles, 19 assisted tackles, and one pass breakup in their, his career. But uh, Purdue is not known for defense, and Purdue is barely known for offense. But this guy is obviously, first and foremost, one of the most exciting players in the Big Ten. He might be one of the most exciting players in college football. Um, Rondell Moore, 5'9", 180. Uh, he was injured last year after only playing in four games. In those four games, he had 29 catches for 387 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, that's tough. But he's supposed to be 100% uh, back to health. So let's hope that he can get back to 2018 form where he was and 13 games, he caught 114 passes in college football. That's insane to me. That is a lot of production. Uh, he totaled 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns. He rushed the ball 21 times for 213 yards and two touchdowns. We had, like I said, um, before we started recording, Chris Trapasso. Uh, was one of our guests and I asked him um, before this was so long ago we asked him like of, of the guys that aren't playing football right now and have their seasons postponed who are you most um, I don't know sad you know bothered by that you don't get to watch and Rondell Moore was one of those guys because he said to him he's the most close thing to Tyreek Hill that we we've seen in college football in the last few years. And the fact that Rondell Moore only got to play in four games last year. And after having such an amazing freshman season, uh, I I can't wait to watch this guy. Uh, Bruce, you ever catch any of him? Oh yeah. Rondell Moore is legit. And I was uh, legitimately upset when he opted out. I'm uh, and I'm uh, I'm glad that we have an opportunity to study him for the NFL draft. Yeah. It's going to be a little different, I think, this year because I don't think the Buffalo Bills are going to be in necessarily in the wide receiver market. So the conversation around Bills Mafia will not revolve probably around Rondale Moore, mm-hmm. but it's fun. It's fun to watch him anyway. Yeah. Uh, now we get to look back uh, 2020, obviously hindsight, right? Um, the bless the the injury might be a blessing as far as for us getting to watch him. Cause I wonder if he had a full year last year, maybe he opts out and just stays out. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. he wouldn't have a lot to prove. Look, look at what he did as a freshman. And let's say that you take like 80% of his production. He probably doesn't come back. He probably just says, you know, I'm going to not risk the injury. I'm going to work on my craft and I'm going to sign with an agent. And that's that. And then we don't ever get to see Rondell Moore again. So uh, a little, maybe a little bit of a blessing there with him getting injured. I'm glad he's back to hundred percent. I'm glad that, uh, you know, this season is going to give him eight chances 
and uh, uh, showing what he can do in a game. So uh, good luck to him. Good luck to the Purdue Boilermakers. And like I said, Jeff Brom, I hope he's okay. You know, COVID's no joke and uh, never like to see anyone be sick. So uh, let's, let's hope they uh, get back on track there, Boiler Boilermakers. Uh, Bruce, you got one last team. Who we got? Oh, no, no. I got I had Ohio State, no, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin. I did mine. Oh, he's yeah, all four. done. Yep, I, I have the last one. You have the last yes, one. Yes, I do. Trying to blame it on me. <laughs> Unless you want to talk about Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan's trying to hand it out yeah, real right. quick. Okay. Um, Scott Frost in Nebraska. Okay. Uh, they finished last year five and seven, three and six in conference. Um, so, Nebraska, they lost five wideouts to the transfer portal. Five. So, they do have... Uh, kind of a bigger name veteran guy returning uh wandell robinson um 510 190 kind of more of a slotty guy and then they do have a big body juco transfer omar manning this kid's six foot four 225 super big body and then they got um another freshman dude 6'2, 220 xavier betts xavier betts and then um they do have a freshman on here um alante brown he's 5'11, 190 this dude is crazy fast crazy crazy fast so um, yeah, their wideouts are kind of a big mystery. No one really knows who's going to start, who's going to be the big name. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just a question mark right now. Um, however, running back, they do have a talented running back. Uh, he was a transfer from, from Georgia tech, uh, Diedrich mills, um, finished last year with 745 yards and 10 touchdowns, um, double digit touchdowns. That's always a good thing to see. So, uh, keep an eye on Diedrich mills for sure. And then another bright spot, Bri, we're back in talk about the offensive line five returning offensive linemen, including all uh, super talented left tackle, um, Brandon James. Continuity is the sixth offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, well, I'm just saying that if you can bring back your five starters that play together for the whole season, that's almost as good as getting another elite uh, player on your line. Right. Uh, speaking of elite, the defense was not that. Um, they finished 11th in scoring defense. So um, they need to replace six starters on the defensive line. However, they, they are um, returning uh, Damian Daniels on the line, uh, 6'3", 340, and defensive end Ben Still, who finished uh, with six and a half tackles for loss last, uh, last season. As we know, they lost top corner Lamar Jackson. I say corner, not quarterback. Corner Lamar Jackson. However, they are returning senior uh, DiCaprio boot, and they do have um, a couple good, a pretty good pair of safeties, um, Cam Taylor-Britt and Markel Dismuke, and they also have two pretty good linebackers, Will Honus, finished with 73 tackles last year, and senior Jojo Daman. Um I like that name. Yes, Jojo. Big fan of that Mojo Jojo type stuff. So, yeah, Nebraska, the, the, the big question mark is, is uh, Adrian Martinez. Um, he didn't have a great season really on finish with uh, 900 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 59% completion. So yeah. Uh, the big question mark is him. If, he, if, 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 if he can produce the, the offense will be fine. Nebraska Cornhuskers are basically reliving the 2019 season all over again, which is all right. We got some pieces here, there and everywhere, except what's our quarterback doing? How good is he? Yep. Did I talk about Adrian Martinez? Did I even talk about him? Not really. Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, Adrian Martinez. Um, yeah. Returning. Uh, he's a junior. 
junior quarter, uh, quarterback, 6'2", 225. Um, as I said, 59% completion, um, 149 completion on 251 attempts, 1,956 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Not good. I mean, I guess I really didn't need to talk about him. But... No, no, you do. <laughs> no, I'm you kidding. do. I'm kidding. Yes. He, he's gotten more hype um, as a quarterback than anyone else I can remember, really. They also have your boy McCaffrey. They do. He won't earn it this year, I don't think. I think they're, the plan is to just let him ride it out and then yep. uh, come back next year, and then that'll be his team. I like McCaffrey. Do you? Yeah. I was thinking that he was going to be the center for Michigan this year, but they went in opposite direction. So, uh, better or worse than last year? Let's go better. You Let's go so? better. Yeah, I'm going to buy into Adrian Martinez. Okay. Can't be worse. Can't be too much worse. Right. Uh, believe it or not, even as a Michigan fan, I feel that I left the best for last year. The Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota? Yep. They are facing off, actually, 7.30 on ESP. I think it's ESPN. Um, on Saturday with my Michigan Wolverines. P.J. Fleck, obviously, returning as head coach. Last year, Minnesota Golden Gophers went 11-2, and 7-2 in conference. Really impressive season. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch, especially on the offensive side of the wall. Uh, you got to start by talking about quarterback Tanner Morgan. Uh, 6'2", 200-pound junior. Last year, he went 29, uh, or 299 of 470 attempts for a completion percentage of 60, 63%. A uh, little over 4,600 yards, uh, 39 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That might be for his career. I'm thinking about it. I might have wrote that for the career. Either way, Tanner Morgan has brought um, new juice to, to Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, they've never had any quarterback like this. Um, he can play uh, the, the option game. You know, he, he's got enough athleticism to be able to keep the ball, make plays on his own. Um, he's very good with his decisions. He's got a low interceptions. You know, he's, he's very responsible, very tr- um, uh, trusted with running that offense. And I, I don't see why not. Because uh, you know he's helped guide them to eleven and two record, and uh, he's also had a very gifted wide receiver to throw the ball to, who has opted back in uh, wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who is obviously um, and arguably a top. Hmm, he's at least in the top five. If you wanted to, you could probably make an argument that he's top three. If you wanted to, depends on what you're looking for in wide receiver. He's six two, two ten, uh, a junior. In his career, this is very impressive, 111 catches for uh, 1,923 yards and 17 touchdowns for the Golden Gophers. It's pretty nice. You, n- No one ever would have predicted this. For so many years of watching Minnesota uh, offenses, they were not fun to watch. Not a good team. But uh, P.J. Flex done a heck of a job up there. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a great coach, very good recruiter. And uh, yeah, uh, Bateman's uh, great. And as excited as I was to talk about Bateman and what he can bring with his, you know, body control and with the way that he, you know, fights for balls and can play the ball in the air. Uh, Ryan, I, I was telling you this about this guy before we started recording. Uh, they have a tackle that's hails from Melbourne, Australia. Ooh. 
Bruce, wait till you hear this. He is six foot nine, 400 pounds. Yeah, it's a big guy. Yeah. It's a big man. I, I, I had to check. I went to three different websites when I read that on one website. I was like, no, 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 no. There's some, something's wrong here. Um, so then when I read up about him, uh, there's two obvious things. One, his power helps him win in many areas. In the run game, obviously, that helps him a lot. Um, when taking on any bull rushers, any real strong power, anytime that there's any twists and stunts from a three-tack, you know what I mean? He's able to pick them up pretty good. Where he struggles, as you could probably guess, those twitched-up guys, those those speedy guys. Alvon Miller eats this guy's lunch. It, it's just impossible to think for a human being that's six foot nine, four hundred pounds, to be able to 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 kick out and to be able to to you know keep that edge clean and and not let a guy get around him. It's just that's too much meat. That's too much mass that have to move around athletically. It's like doing it's like doing a three point turn in the tractor trailer. Exactly. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm rooting for the guy though. Um, <laughs> I I hope I hope he sheds a little weight. No one should be 400 pounds. Get it down to like 382, maybe something like that. Just just let him start right next to the corner or the the. The quarterback just hold his arms out straight and just stand there. Yeah, that's, that's all he does. Maybe put him in at goalie. See, the, Minnesota's goalie, yeah. got a pretty good hockey uh, program. <laughs> Let's put him in at goalie and see what he can do there too. No, uh, yeah, his name's Daniel Falale. Um, so obviously, I think he must be of some sort of Samoan um, descent. I like that name a How lot. How did he fit on a plane to get here? That's a good question. Maybe he had to take a boat. How did he fit on a plane? <laughs> he got here. It's all that matters. He's been here for a little while. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he played rugby um, back in Australia. So he really is athletic for his size. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah, he's fantastically athletic, but it's just at some point you're just too big, right, Bruce? At some point, playing tackle, you're just too big. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is that size is a benefit until it's not. Right, And that, that tipping point is different for everybody, not necessarily based on what the scale says, but based on, based on what the field says. And so what you want to see from him, from Falele this year is that, you know, he goes up against those speed rushers and he shows the ability because, you know, six foot nine is really tall. And so just like quarterbacks have significant problems once they reach a certain height because their arms get too long and their release gets slower. You know, offensive tackles have people who can run around them and can get up underneath pads and things like that. And they lose leverage when they're six foot nine. So the question for him is, is six foot nine, 400 a detriment to him net wise, or is six foot nine, 400 to him a positive for him? Because Quite frankly, I don't think NFL teams really care if you're six foot nine, four hundred. If you can move, you know, if you can do the things qualitatively that you need to do, then quantitatively the scale can say whatever the heck it needs to say. Sure. Unless you're a really, really old school kind of, you know, threshold type scout where they say, "Well, we flat out won't draft a corner unless he's five ten. You know, unless you have those thresholds, then you're going to watch the film and you're going to go, "Okay, now did he get taken advantage of?" for being too tall? Did he get taken advantage of for being too big? Those are the things that are going to matter. Not necessarily how big is he, but what effect did the size have on the film? Right. Uh, the one thing that I did read about him, which is, I can't wait to watch this on film. 
Uh, they said that in, in the run game and especially in the screen game, the guy can really get out and move. I, I can't wait to watch a six foot nine, 400 pound man get out in front of a running back on a screen. I hope he screams like Quentin Nelson. I really hope he does. I don't think he has. I don't to. typically like horror movies, but you know, I guess I'd watch one of those. I right. I, I think the cornerback's just going to jump out of the sidelines. Just like, oh, I give up on this play. Yep. Um, and then in the back end of their defense, uh, in the secondary, um, they do have some pretty good, reliable corners. Um, I think Benjamin, uh, St. Uh, Juste, uh, is actually going to be a safety. They just list him as a defensive back. So I don't really know right now. Uh, he's six, three, two Oh five. So if you had, if I had to guess right now, he's a safety, that's great safety size. Fantastic safety size. Actually, um, he has had 39 slow tackles, uh, nine assisted tackles, 10 pass breakups, which is very, very good. And then uh, at corner, and he was listed at corner, is uh, Jordan Howden, uh, six foot 210. He's a junior, uh, 68 slow tackles, 34 assists, uh, nine pass breakups, two interceptions. I expect Minnesota to, uh, in eight games, ceiling has to be six and two seven and one but uh their their floor can't be any lower than five and three it really can't uh pj fleck is too good of a coach they have too many good um returning offensive linemen uh returning the same quarterback Rashard bateman at um opting back in i i i'm worried about watching my michigan wolverines here on saturday night so uh there we go that is your big 10 preview uh it's going to be a pretty good year. I wish that we got to watch them for more than just the eight games. That that kind of stinks. And uh, I wish we hey, got to well, see. Well, you know what? When Ohio State makes the playoffs, you can see nine or ten games. Hey, I, I watch it all, Bruce. I, I even watch uh, all of Ohio State as much as it can pain me from time to time. But, uh, Bruce, thanks so much, man. This was awesome. Uh, tell the folks where they can reach you, uh, where they can find your work. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce exclusive. And I am a member of the Buffalo rumblings podcast and writing community at Buffalo rumblings.com. My podcast the Bruce exclusive drops Thursday and Friday every week on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. Yeah. If you're a bills fan uh, and I'm hoping because we record out of Buffalo, New York, that we have quite a few, uh, you gotta, you gotta listen to this. Bruce brings it every week. Uh, his, um, a de- uh, attention to detail and um, the topics you pick each week is uh, it, uh, a must listen to. Absolutely. So uh, once again, I appreciate Bruce, that. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, only, only the best get to appear on this podcast and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and our, well, how many episodes are we in? Like, like 16, 17, 17. <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, Bruce and uh, so many other people over there, Buffalo rumblings are doing such excellent work. Like I said, my our friend, uh, Max Owens, over there at Buffalo Rumblings as well. Uh, you guys are doing awesome. Keep up the great work. Uh, I know as a Bills fan, I appreciate it a lot. Um, and I was going to ask you, now that's too forward, but uh, what do you think, Bruce? Uh, closer to draft time, get you back on here? Well, I mean, I don't see a reason why we couldn't make that happen. It, I have to twitch your arm, right, to talk about more draft stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> nah, yeah, you know, you really got to – you know, you're going to have to convince me. I'm going to have to get some wings shipped, I think. We can do, we that. Can do that. Yeah. I might have to send some to Texas, too, because that's uh, typically yeah, yeah. where Ryan's recording at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Wings suck there. Yeah. Wings suck in Texas. Everyone knows that. All right. Well, thanks to Bruce so much. Everyone go check out his work. Um, Ryan, uh, what do we normally tell the folks? Subscribe people. Yep. Subscribe. But now subscribe to Bruce's podcast as well. Of course. Like his review his Mm -hmm. do that to ours as well. Yeah. Go listen to his listen to ours after this is probably better. Um, so yeah, like (laughs) review, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Follow the page, tell a friend, tell a grandma, uncle, whatever you got. And, uh, until next time, keep on processing that process. Go bills. Nice. Do you trust the process? Do you respect the process? Come on, get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys, here's the situation. Two minutes left, zero timeouts, down by a touchdown. we got to drive 75 yards. All right, we can do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set, mother Delay of game, offense.